pray. Your eye is on the sparrow. And so we know you watch over us. Lord, we thank you for this, for these words from Jesus that remind us not to worry because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Thank you for being a God who knows what we need. Some of us this weekend just needed to see our kids. Some of us just needed to see mom and dad. Some of us just needed a good talk with a friend. Some of us just needed some quiet. And you provide. You are a good and generous God. Thank you. We thank you for providing us with Calvin College. And as this weekend we celebrate homecoming and parents weekend, we stand amazed at the generations that have poured into this place. We stand amazed at your faithfulness from one generation to the next. We thank you for all of the people that this place has sent out who are shaping your world, who are agents of renewal all over the place, in business, in healthcare, in teaching, in mission work, in churches, in homes, in families. It's amazing to think about. And so we thank you for Calvin, and we pray, dear God, that you will bless it that you will bless this place, that you will establish it so that we will be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and unashamed that that gospel is woven through everything that we teach and how we coach and how we direct and how we love. Lord, we thank you for this place and we pray that you help us to be faithful to the mission that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, for all these good things and we ask a blessing on those who are in need still. For some of us, it was really hard to see other people be welcomed by parents because ours are so far away. Or maybe our relationship with a mom or a dad isn't great, and a weekend like this one just brings that all up again. We pray for healing for these relationships. We pray for tenderness and grace. We pray for patience. And Lord, we pray that if there's someone we're aware of who needs family, that we can step in, that we'll pay attention to the person sitting by themselves, to the, to the person who seems a bit withheld, and we'll go to them. We thank you, Lord, for your word. What a good thing it is to gather around and look at these stories and see what you're up to, see who you're like. And so we pray this morning that as we open the book of Exodus again, that you, Holy Spirit, will break our hearts wide open to the truth of your care for your people, that your, the riches of your love will always be enough. Help us to see that this morning. And God, we do pray that if there are people among us who are deeply hurting and unsure, who are doubting faith, that you, Holy Spirit, will use your word, read and sung and proclaimed, to draw them into your love. Because some of us are running and some of us are walking and some of us don't even know where to go. And so, Lord, use this worship this morning to draw us in step by step. 
and to the work that you are doing to rebuild this creation. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of the church, and all God's people say, Amen. So if this were a television show, I'd start by saying, previously in the Exodus sermon series. Because we want to bring you up to speed on what's been happening with the people of Israel. So the book of Exodus is the second book in the Bible. And it starts with a group of people who went from the land of Israel down to the land of Egypt because there was a famine where they were from and they had to go to Egypt to get food. And it was a relatively small family at the beginning. But then God just started blessing this family and they started to be more and more and more and more and more of them. So much so that the king of Egypt was anxious about this situation. He said, if we don't pay attention to this, these people who are multiplying so quickly will come and they'll take over. They'll like revolt and they'll push us out. So we need to make them our slaves. So he oppresses them and he makes them build things. And he he says to them, he says to the midwives early on, what are the midwives' names? Anybody? Oh, I'm so proud of you. Shipra and Pua. Yes, Shipra and Pua get named, by the way. Pharaoh, never named. Note, that's a whole sermon right there. So Shipra and Pua are told, like, just kill the babies when they come on out. And they're like, they're so strong, we can't do it. And Pharaoh's like, ah, just throw them in the wild then. So they just start throwing the babies in the Nile. It's this whole horrible thing that's happening. And the Israelites cry out to God, and God picks Moses, who does not want the job. He's not keen on this at all. I have to go back. I have to tell Pharaoh to let your people go. I don't even know who you are. And God says, you tell him that I am sent you. And Moses is like, that doesn't help me. (laughs) So he goes back and he's all full of chutzpah because he's got this word from the Lord to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he goes and he says, let my people go. The Lord says, let my people go. Pharaoh goes, I I don't know any Lord. No, I'm not doing that. And Moses is like, oh. This is going to take longer than I thought. (laughs) And then there's this epic battle that happens between Pharaoh and God. And we had Pastor Aaron who preached about the plagues, which were actually blow after blow after blow from God against Pharaoh and Pharaoh's gods. The river Nile turns to blood, and then there are frogs and gnats and locusts and boils, and things go from bad to worse. There's hail, there's three days of darkness. And then the tenth and final blow, God says to the people of Israel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a lamb. I want you to kill it. I want you to put the blood on the doorposts because tonight the angel of death is going to come. And if you have blood on your doorposts, it will protect you. And so the Israelites huddle inside and they can hear the angel of death going house by house. They can hear the cries of the Egyptians. And in the morning, Pharaoh has finally had enough. And he says to Moses, go, get out, go, be gone, I've had it. Just get out. And so the people leave and the Egyptians give them stuff as they're going like, here, take this, just go, just go. So the Israelites go out and they think they're doing pretty well, but then they come up against this body of water and they look back and here are the Egyptians who had a change of heart. They're like, what are we doing? We're letting our labor force go. This is not good for our economy. Let's go get them back. So they chase after them. And the Israelites are stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. And they don't know what's going to happen next. And then God, through his servant Moses, he parts the sea and they go through. And then Pharaoh thinks, well, that's cool. I'm going to go through too. And he goes through too. But then the Lord shuts down the sea and destroys their enemies. 
which is great. Now they're on the other side. Now they're in the wilderness. Now, now they're looking around and they're thinking, um, huh, we, um, do, you, do you guys have anything? Because I don't have anything. Do you have any, we don't have anything. And that's where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, where we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you brought this whole assembly into the wilderness to kill us with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard your complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, They looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I've heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread. It's it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord's commanded. Gather as much of it as you need, an omer to a person, according to the number of persons, all providing for their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, ate breadworms, and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as each needed, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to him, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that's left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it out in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Don't leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations in order that they may see the food with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout the generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. The Israelites were worried. They were worried. They were talking to each other. They were looking in their packs, and these packs that they'd been carrying ever since they left the land of Egypt had been getting lighter and lighter, and lighter. And they were in the middle of nowhere. They were in the middle of the wilderness. It wasn't like there was a city nearby where they could walk up and say, hey, we'll trade you a whole bunch of Egyptian gold for some food. It wasn't there. It wasn't like they'd set out scouting parties a year before just in case they got free and said, hey, would you just plant some gardens for us? Because that's going to be really helpful when we end up over there in the wilderness. Nope. They had nothing. They had nothing at all. And so they complain. They're like, look, we are going to die. We're going to die here. We have nothing to rely on. Now, they had seen God do some pretty amazing stuff up until now, right? They'd seen the whole plagues. They'd seen the parting of the sea. They'd seen Pharaoh drown in the sea. The story right before this one is how he made bitter water sweet. They'd seen God do some pretty amazing stuff. But we have to remember that at this time in the story, Israel doesn't know God very well. They're kind of new to him. He's new to them. They're trying to figure this out. Who is this God? What is he really like? And each new situation gives them this opportunity again to say, well, he did that, but can he do this? They've seen him do these big, huge, amazing things. But food is a, like, everyday kind of normal thing. He can do the big flashy stuff, but can, can he do this? Can he do this? Can he meet me here? Because I don't have enough. 
And that's really the question on the journey of faith, isn't it? All of us are always looking to learn more about God. And we run into these new situations where we think, well, I, I know that you've done this in my life, and I know that you've done this in my life, and I know that you've done this, but can you do this? I had a dad stop by my office this week, and I asked him, hey, what brings you to campus? And he said, oh, tuition was due this week. So I'm dropping off the check, and I said, we thank you for your support. And I think for how many families is that a case where you think, is there going to be enough? You look down a semester, you look down another year, another two years, maybe you look at the children who are yet to come up, and you think, Lord, is there going to be enough? Or maybe some of you who are married and you find yourself in the situation that people call the empty nest. And you've had this flurry of children and life and sports and music and school and all of these things. For the last 25 years, this person that you've partnered with, your energies have been poured elsewhere and now the house is empty and you sit across the table from this person and you look at this person and you think, do we have enough? Maybe there's a loved one of yours who's in a chronic health condition and it's come up quickly and you're assessing the resources, both spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, and you just think, you look down the line at what kind of care this person is going to need. Is there going to be enough? The life of faith is a journey of constantly waiting and wondering, is God going to do this? Can he show up here? Is he, can he do this? I know he can do that, but can he do, can he do this? Because I don't have enough. That's why it's so important for us to pay attention to how God responds when the people of Israel complain. The people of Israel complain, and they're like, look, we are going to die out here. And God doesn't say to them, oh, no, you're not. Be quiet. I'm not an idiot. I've got a plan here. Chill. He doesn't say to them, surprise, here's a Costco. (laughs) Stock up. You're going to be good for a long, long time. Get the big gallons of things. He neither minimizes their complaint, nor does he do this like, here's everything you're ever going to need forever and evermore, amen. God responds to their complaint, and he says, I have the coolest idea. This is going to be great. I am going to rain bread from heaven from you. Seriously, it's going to be awesome. He's like all excited. He's like, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. I'm going to rain bread from heaven right for you. It's going to come right for you. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And then he like, they like do this thing where they're all out in the wilderness. And he's like, Lord, look, I'm in the wilderness. I'm in the glory in the cloud. I'm right here. Right here. No worries. I'm going to raise bread from heaven. It's going to be great. They're like, 
okay. So the quail come and they're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then they get up the next morning and they look at the ground and they're like, um, uh, um, what is this? And Moses is like, this is the bread. And they're like, for reals? Seriously? Because they may have been picturing like, you know, pita dropping from the sky, <laughs> right? And scholars who study this believe that the product that they actually ate is something that is still available in the Sinai. You see, there are these bugs. There are these bugs that climb, particular bugs that climb particular trees, and they eat the product in those particular trees, and then they produce a substance that falls to the ground, and you can collect it in the morning, and there are people still eating it today, Bedouin, and they use it to make bread, and they use it as a sweetener, and you know what they call it? Not a trick question. Manna. <laughs> and so these people are looking, they're like, the bug stuff? And it's tempting for us to think, well, that couldn't be it, because I'm sure it was pita bread raining from the sky. But there's enough evidence that this happens with regularity. However, it does not happen six days and then stop. It does not happen 12 months out of the year for 40 years. You see, the people of Israel had been used to watching God use the power of nature to bring destruction, the gnats and the locusts and the hail and the darkness. They didn't know, though, that he could use what was right around them to feed them. I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And everybody has enough. Everybody has enough. It's not like there's a squabble. It's not like you got to get up early. It's not like the bugs are going to run out. It's not like something else is going to happen. Everyone's going to have enough, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be sustaining you are going to have enough. God says, I am going to rain down bread from heaven. Because he knows that they've seen him do the big things, the big one-off events. And what he's trying to do here is train up a people who can learn to depend on him every single day. Every day you go out, there it is again. Every day, you go, is it going to be? A, there it is again. And on the seventh day, there isn't any. Because did you notice the language of the text? It says, the Lord has given you Sabbath. The Lord has given you a day off. Woohoo! Who would love a day off? The Lord gives his people Sabbath to say, Look, six days you've got to work and rely and strive and get your stuff, but on the seventh day I want you to remember that even if you don't do anything, I provide for you. Even on a day when you sit quietly and you rest, I am still spinning out the cosmos. Even on a day when you are quiet, I provide. Day after day, after week, after week, after month, after month. Daily bread. Right? Some of you know that phrase. Some of you know that in the New Testament, 
our Lord Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. They actually come to him and they say, hey, could you, uh, could you teach us how to pray? And this isn't because they didn't know how. But in that era of teaching, a rabbi would teach his disciples a prayer that would be the essential of what he really wanted them to know. Many of you know this prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what's the next line? Give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus is teaching his disciples, he doesn't say to them, pray for the trip to Costco. Pray for all of your things to be answered all at once and for all time. What Jesus is praying us up into is the same kind of life of dependence and trust that the people had to learn in the wilderness. Give us this day our daily bread as a reminder of what had happened for the ancestors of these disciples back in the wilderness. That day after day after day after day, they had to trust that God would provide enough for that day. Enough for now. So it's tempting for us, isn't it, to look down the line and see tuition payment after tuition payment after tuition payment and worry and think, will there be enough? And the lesson of Exodus 16 and the words of our Jesus draw us back and Maybe, maybe the enough comes in the gift of a part-time job that's just enough to meet the need. Maybe when you're sitting across the table from this person that you married a long time ago and you reared children with and you're worried about the future of the relationship and what is this going to look like down the line, maybe at dinner that night your spouse begins to tell a story from work, a funny story from work, a story that would have been lost in the lots of kids and everything else going on, begins to tell a story like you haven't heard in a long time and before long the two of you are just laughing and laughing and laughing and you think, this is enough for now. maybe you, you walk into the hospital room of the person you love who is in serious medical problem. And you walk into the room and you see a nurse, a nurse you've seen before, and he's given great care to your loved one. And you see him talking tenderly to her and he, he walks over to you and he says to you, you know, she's getting just a little bit better. And you think, that's enough for now. Enough for now. Did you notice at the end of Exodus 16, when they reach the promised land, when they reach the land that has been promised to them, and they've been walking and walking and walking 40 years, they cross the Jordan River, which is another great story, by the way, water crossing story. They cross the Jordan River, and they celebrate Passover in the land. And the day after Passover, it says in the book of Joshua, the day after Passover, they eat from the fruit of the land. And then the manna stopped. The manna was a gift for a season in the wilderness. 
And the manna was enough for a time when there wasn't anything else. The manna was enough for now. Today, we come to this table. We come to this table that's set with pretty simple things, bread and juice. And this bread reminds us, and this cup reminds us, that our God provides for us daily. Daily. This is our manna. But this isn't forever, is it? There's this great image in the book of Revelation. Actually, it's an image that's pulled through Scripture again and again and again. And it says that we believe, of course, Jesus Christ died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven. We also believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back someday and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And do you know the image that's given again and again and again in Scripture about what that's going to be like? A feast, a party. It's going to be a party. There is going to be a table spread. It's going to be a banquet to end all banquets. It's going to be a feast. And in the meantime, we take this bread and we drink this cup to look back at how God has provided through the death of his son the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of new life but we also take this bread and we drink this cup as we look ahead to what is next, ahead to the world to come, ahead to the promised land, to a place where things will be flowing, milk and honey in abundance, more than we ever asked or imagined. So today, we'll come to this table and we will take this bread and we will drink this cup and we will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes And we will do it as people who are hungry, hungry, hungry. And as people who are going to trust that our God can give us enough. 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 Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks this day for how you provided for our spiritual ancestors in the wilderness, that you were delighted to rain down bread from heaven for them. It's not what they expected, but it was enough. It was enough. And you taught them reliance. And Lord, you are teaching us reliance on you. Help us, Lord, to see that what you provide is enough. Give us this day our daily bread, through Jesus Christ. Amen.